Yo, what's up? You're listening to Keys Dan. This is me, Jaquan, formerly of the Nasty Boys. You know how we do. RadioWatch.com What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWatch.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live in a living color from the Radio What Studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous? It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do you go? DJLittleRock.com. Check availability and get a free price quote. And maybe you could have me at your next event. You know I like to party with the people. Video dance parties and karaoke jams are my specialty. So if you have a little club uh, here in central Arkansas, anywhere really in, in the Arkansas area that needs some karaoke jamming, uh, give me a call. I'll see what I can do. I know, uh, well, let's see. Oh, I could talk to talk to you about this week's shows. But before that, let me tell you who's on the program today. J.V. Torres. Who's J.V. Torres? Well, you're going to find out in the next few minutes. So stick around for that. This week's shows. Let's see. I have one public show going on this week. And that's the Rab in Conway, Arkansas on Friday night, Friday, Friday, 8 p.m. So if you're anywhere near the Conway area, heck, if you're anywhere in the world, we got time. You can get there by Friday night, 8 p.m. until 1 in the a.m. Yeah, we have a good time every Friday night at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. It's a good club. <laughs> they got a full bar. The kitchen's open. They got 10 diamond style pool tables. Hey, I don't know what diamond style pool tables are, but they're they're pretty cool looking. Okay, they're they it impresses me to no end. And plus, they have a pool tournament on Friday nights. So if you want to make some money, I encourage you to check out the Rab on Friday nights, <laughs> 8 p.m. until almost one in the a.m. And it's also a video dance party, karaoke jam. So you can have some drinks, have some food. They got good pizzas, chicken wings, my favorite. And burgers, which I also appreciate. I've had I've had all three of those, in fact, and not at the same time. Uh, I, I know I'm a big big guy, but not at the same time. <laughs> all right, party people, that's my my one show as we break out of quarantine for for this week. I know I got shows coming up. Uh, weddings are coming up really really soon too. I've been I've been booking a lot of weddings, so I'm kind of excited about that. Weddings are my specialty. <laughs> all right, party people. Let's get into it with J.V. Torres. I'm going to Skype J.V. Torres. So if you're listening to the audio version of this, I encourage you to step over to my YouTube channel, uh, theradiowhat.com. Radiowhat.com is the easy way to find it on YouTube or username KeysDan. Either one of those, you're going to find my YouTube channel, and then you can see J.V. Torres's lovely face. How about that? It's video as well as audio. But if you're driving in your car, if you're working out, stick to the audio, okay? You know, no sense watching videos and running into stuff or driving into stuff. That's crazy. That's crazy, I tell you. All right. (laughs) I think I've spent enough time on this intro. Let's get into it with J.V. Torres. Skyping J.V. Torres now. Right, JV Torres in the house, man. 
<laughs> you got keys, Dan, with the What Makes You Famous podcast. All right. I've been following your Twitter. You have lots of thoughts, man. Lots of ideas. <laughs> and, and I want you to spew some of those ideas because uh, I, I think I'm, I, I need to buckle up because I'm in for a ride here. JV Torres, <laughs> tell the people who you are, man. Uh, well, I'm a podcaster. I'm an audio and like to delve kinds of different concerns to kind of mesh them to something that would be somewhat plausible on the world. So I kind of incorporate a lot of these wild conspiracy theories into into the storyline of the show, which is really, which is about America having a king that's president. You know, a lot of conspiracy theorists don't like to call themselves conspiracy theorists. Isn't the new term conspiracy realist? Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess I, I haven't caught up to whatever you've coined phrases that they use. Um, I, I'm, I totally identify with, with that. I, I, I believe a lot of the conspiracy theories. I do. I have no proof of it. And it makes for great fantasy writing. So, I mean, keep them coming. Man. No, and, and I'm, I'm interested in conspiracies. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. What's the name of your podcast? The Rise of King. The Rise. The Rise of King Asilis. A S I L A S. Asilis. I'm sorry. You keep cutting in and out for some reason. Maybe maybe when I talk over you, it fades out your your microphone. So I'll try to talk and then let you talk. That sounds fair. Appreciate it. So tell me about the King Asilis and and what's the rise of it. Well, it, it, it starts off like this, Dan, and, and I really go into greater detail in the novel that I'm going to be putting out later this year. Um, but in the story, basically what happens is America plunges into its second war. When you watch the news or if you're, if you're on Twitter or if you're on any social media, this is a phrase that gets thrown around a lot. I started this, I, I wrote this years ago, uh, talking about America's Civil War, and then what would be the aftermath of that? So essentially, we're moving, and if you follow the news, if you follow politics in general, you notice that there is this movement, if you will, to push everything to a one-party system. And if you push America into a one-party system, that has all kinds of problems that that come along the road. So I just wanted to use that concept of having a one-party system and say, well, then if there's a one-party system, then there has to be one person in charge and that one person be a de facto king. So what happens in the story is essentially the men in, you know, the back rooms, the, the kingmakers, if you will, decide that rather than deal with the politics, rather than deal with parties and deal with lobbyists and senators, so they decided we're just going to do away with all that, and we'll have a one guy, and that'll be our, our guy, guy to do whatever, whatever we want. want him to do. So that's that's the basis for how that happens. Is he goes up through the games, through the, all the you know secret societies. He's you know Illuminati. He's one of those guys. He's one, you know? and so they put him in there, thinking, well, he's one of us, so he's going to do whatever we we want him to do. He was a soldier, you know. He follows orders, but once he became king, he turns on them, and that's what's the whole show and the series in motion. From that point on, it's all about him versus them. You know, when you're talking, it, uh, it, it rivals the politics that's going on right now. Donald Trump, he put in two uh, judges that he thought would be on his side, but they have voted, uh, I think, at least twice against what his wishes would have been. Uh, you know, this is what happens. Uh, you know, you think that this guy is going to be on your side, but people are unpredictable. And then the other thing with the two-party system going to one, you kind of reminded me of maybe these third world 
politics where you would have uh, these elections, but pretty much you would get a choice of the same guy. You know, it'd be one guy from, you know, you say the blue party and one guy from the red party, but essentially it's the same guy. Uh, you know, these are things I've seen in movies that have been fictionalized, but I, I feel like there must be some kernels of truth to some of these things. Any thoughts? Oh, yeah, definitely. There's an old Native American saying that the right wing and the left wing belong to the same bird. <laughs> There's no question that uh, most I would I'm just going to throw it out. There's my personal opinion. I think that most people are pretty much aware that the, the political system, at least in this country, maybe in other countries, I would imagine, um, do have uh, some code in play. They all answer to a particular group, an elitist group, if you will. Oh, yeah, I believe that. Dirty politics is not is not a clean sport by any means. Oh, I, and, I, I, know, I, yeah, I wholeheartedly well, believe J.B. Torres that. I'm sorry. I, f I wholeheartedly believe J.B. Torres that the politicians, you know, some of them may go in thinking that they're going to be doing good, but eventually they get filled with slime. Uh, they get bought and paid for and and they have no choice. It seems once they get into it and especially as they start to climb through the ranks, the farther up you go, the sludgier that slime gets. I mean, my goodness, yep. uh, J.B. Torres, uh, you know, and you say the left and the right. You know, I, I say all the problems are the people that are all the way on the left and then all the way on the right. Most of us live right down the middle where we should be, you know, to, to where sure. we all want the same things. But J.V. Torres, any thoughts? Keep going, man. Tell me. Tell me more. Well, I mean, I, I thought I remember thinking that when I was a teenager, if you tilt a plane to the left or to the right at any angle, you're going to end up in a big circle. You're just going to go in a circle. The only way you're going to go forward is if you have, even, you know, your, your wings on an even plane, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, there, there, what you were saying about politics, slimy and whatnot, no way you can climb that without making promises, without people buying into whatever it is your campaign is all about. Sooner or later, you're going to have to sign on with whatever is on that checklist of theirs, and you're just going to have to run with it. So... That's why the idea of the king was, was so much more appealing to me than to do it, to make it a political drama, because with a king, you, you have he, he vied for that absolute power so that he doesn't have to answer to anyone and he could do whatever it is that the elitists wanted him to do. But he used that absolute power to actually hunt them. So if you think about it, it would be rather than some of that kind of power. You, you, look, around, you look around and you look at Russia. A lot of people talk about Vladimir Putin having an absolute power in a lot of ways, and, and if anyone goes against him, they get get killed. The mafia is set up that way as well. It's like a big giant cartel. And I'm digging. I don't think that have any different, honestly. Man, I am riding this wave. This is amazing. I, I knew I was going to have some fun talking to you, JB Torres. Man, and and it's just uh, it's a thrill a minute ride going in, in in my head. Every every sentence you talk, every syllable that you say. It sends more vibes into my head of what's going on in the world. I mean, the latest thing is the, the coin shortage. OK, uh, there's theories about that. OK, maybe people, you know, when they get home, they put their coins in the in the jar and they haven't been taking them to the bank because the banks are closed. But there's other theories that the coin shortage is just another step in the path to a cashless society. 
where the banks are going to run all of the money, keep track of all the money. We won't be able to get paid under the table. The kid won't be able to get your groceries for five bucks. You know, give him some, give him a, 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 a Finsky, you know, to, for uh, bagging your groceries or washing your car. Because it's going to be cashless society. What do you think? Yeah. Man? Does that mean that the pamphlets on the street corners are going to walk around with these little squares on their phones? So they can swag your card to give them a give them a buck or two. <laughs> this is going to create problems for drug dealers and who deal in illicit trade, um, prostitution, the mine, human trafficking is another one. People don't like talking about that stuff, but it is extremely prevalent. And it's scary. It's actually very nightmarish to, to think about, you know, any at any day you could take a child or a woman or even you know, a man. It really doesn't matter. They, they take people for all kinds of reasons. It's not always sexual. Sometimes it's because they want body parts or they want, you know, when they put a contract on somebody, they want something of theirs. It's, this is a very vicious world we live in. Hey, J.B. Torres, it, people don't think that there's <laughs> slavery. There is still slavery for sure. You know, and. and oh, yeah. Every every movie that I see with dystopian future is on credits. Uh, put your thumbprint here. Get that, you know, here, make a payment with your thumbprint. You uh, Facial recognition. Give me the eyeball. You know, that kind of thing. Never cash money. Let me, let me ask you something, Dan. So, so if we're going into a cashless society, how do you think this will play out for those in, in, the, in the illicit trades, drugs and whatnot? How would that? That's, you know, that's how they're going to sell it to us. They're going to say, oh, uh, you know, the drug dealers won't be able to get their cash. The the prostitutes won't be able to get their money. But, you know, it's, it's going to be a whole lot better for the whole world if there's no cash. But then there's the other side of the coin where you won't be able to get that that extra dough. If you do that side job, you know, you, you put up you put up somebody's cabinets and they wanted to pay you a saw buck or two, you know. But, uh, you know, now the bank is going to control all that money. So it's more control, man. It's more control. It, there's no question about that. It's about control. And, you know, Uncle Sam's going to want his piece all the time. All the time. They got to get their piece, you know. Get, just want to get their beaks wet, as they say in The Godfather. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, it, you know, and, and the, all right, taxes. The, taxes is kind of a funny thing. The IRS knows exactly how much you owe. But instead of of uh, telling us what they what we owe, you know, give us a, a little card and say, "Hey, this is what you owe." You send them a check, and and everybody's happy. No, now they they always want you to guess what what you owe. Hey, guess what you owe us. And if you guess wrong, we're going to come and audit you and maybe t- take you to jail. You know it, it, that. What do you think about this little card thing? Have you heard of that? Uh, of doing your taxes on a on a postcard. Oh yeah, I, I've heard that. They, they've been talking about that, talking about that for years. And it is what you say. It is a matter of control. And if you ever go the grid, or if you if you go against whatever it is the government wants you to do, they can certainly pull that card. If you lack or a better way of putting it, pull that card. So you know we can audit you, and you know maybe you haven't paid your taxes correctly over the last few years, and threaten you. And people get scared about that. Nobody wants to go to jail. So, I mean, if they push comes to shove, if there's a particular individual, they want they want to get on for whatever performance or anything like that. They will they will definitely use that to their advantage and scare the hell out of anybody to, to get them to do the coercion to do what they want. It is about it is about control in a, in a more sinister way. Yeah. J.B. Torres, I'm I'm all on the grid. I mean, I definitely know I have to pay taxes because I want the services that are provided yeah. by this government. 
the way that we have this system uh, entwined. I pay taxes. We get police. We get fire department. We get some services, you know, some uh, essential services that we need. You know, more taxes should be more services. Sometimes we, I feel like we should get an itemized bill for all the the, the taxes that we pay. All right, I paid you a thousand dollars. What did I get for that thousand buck? Oh, you got school. You got police. You got fire. But how much? What was the itemized? Whenever I go to the grocery store, there's an itemized bill. Uh, I mean, I've heard uh, that the people want this. I, I think I want that. Well, you know, with my taxes, what am I paying for? Well, they're not going to tell you everything that they that they use for. And there's a lot of you know black ops. There's all kinds of secret programs that the government has that they don't want anyone to know how much money they pour into it or what it's being used for. And they'll and they'll they'll use things like. Oh, you know, there's military, there's secret, you know, uh, experimental machines that they're working on or things they don't want our enemies to get their hands on. And they'll, they'll always throw that out there. But really, this, the truth might actually scare the living pants. You're probably right. All right, Jamie Torres, let's go back. Uh, you know, <laughs> tell me, how did this all start? Where where did Jamie Tor- uh, J.B. Torres' little brain uh, start to, to develop this idea that there's something else, there's some something that just they're not not telling us you know was it was it your parents that didn't tell you everything didn't tell you who santa claus is the easter bunny the tooth fairy was that the 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 beginning of it or was there something else when did it start it wasn't my parents my parents are pretty straight-laced people my mother was a very straight-laced and my father is still to this day a very straight-laced guy i mean he may have had his indiscretions or what we won't get into that but as, as you know as far as the, you know, any of the types of topics that you and I are talking about, father never talked to me about that. So this was more, I think, um, I had a brother-in-law growing up. He was, a, you know, my, married to my sister when I was very small. And he was, he would think about things like that. He was very liberal. Um, and he, he, he always questioned the government. He always questioned the motives that, you know, big businesses had or questioned the motives of the military industrial complex. And, you know, he didn't. He wasn't quite as far out there as I think I've become over the years. Um, he's passed away years ago. I think if he were alive now, he'd be quite surprised, and we'd probably have some pretty interesting conversations. But that's, I think, where it where it came from. Brother-in-law. Brother-in-law. How old were he you was, when this started? Um. Well, let's see. Uh, older. My older sister. She's 15 years older than me. So by the time I was about 10 years old, they were already married and probably had a kid or two. Um. See, they were in their 20s and so, I was 10 years old. Yeah. So for you, he, it started at a young age. You know, that hippie kind, he was a hippie dude. You know, he had long hair. Um, and he was from New York. So he had that chip on his shoulder. <laughs> I get Talked it. about gang, you know, but the Godfather, I think, is what did it for me. I was probably too young to to watch, um, but I remember watching The Godfather and seeing how the mafia works and, and listening to them talk. And, it, and when I was really young, it didn't really dawn on me till a little bit later until I was in my teens because you know, I watched The Godfather periodically throughout my entire life. Um, but listening to the mafia guys talking about politicians, they're talking about you know the bigger fish in the world. And you think about it from a guy, mafia. Don, who is rich and powerful and has power over people's lives. If he's a fish in the book, Jesus Christ, what do those big fish look like? I don't even I don't even know if I could really wrap my head around 
having that kind of power and money. These people run the world, make no mistake about it, and they're extremely evil. And that's why I enjoy writing the show that I do, because I put a, a person who was a common guy, who was a soldier in the army, a regular guy, but he was extraordinary in other things, and he was able to get, he was able to get the, he was a bad guy. I guess it takes out another bad guy at that level. My goodness. You know, and the Godfather, for sure. I was way too young. I was born in 69, and I probably saw the Godfather when I was about 10 years old, somewhere around there, and one, one, two, and three. And I'm sure it was somebody in my family, not my father, because he was out of the picture, but maybe my grandfather uh, showed me that movie, and and, uh, it, it definitely changed my life. And that's my first foray into what the what the mafia, quote unquote, the, the wise guys would have been, you know, I'm, I'm sure that I don't know everything that goes on in the mafia. I've never been involved in that, you know, so I, I don't know it. I, I know what I read. I know what I've seen in movies, but you've, you've actually delved into it a little bit and you write about it. I, I, in a way, in, in a very distant way, um, I, I, you know, I even make a, there's even a character so his name is Quentin Capone. And I chose the name Capone by no accident. It was because I wanted to have a reference there of the mafia. Because there's a, there's a certain way that the mafia is structured. You know, where you have your top of your head and then you have your capo soldiers beneath him. And honestly, the, the king in the story is, is he structures his government that way, his kingdom, if you will. He structures it much in the same way that Sophia would. Oh, that's right. And he... And he, and he exerts his power in much the same way. Oh, I appreciate yeah. anyone that can write, uh, that can put their thoughts down in any kind of, uh, uh, of way that's coherent. You know, I've thought about <laughs> writing a book. I've thought about writing a blog, but my area of expertise has always been talking into a mic, been doing this since 1986. Well, I mean, officially, uh, professionally before that I was still a blabbermouth. always getting my, my mouth was <laughs> always writing checks. My body can't cash. And, and and that happened, you know, quite a bit. But okay, I, let let I mean, I want to. Wh- where do you where are you from? I was born and raised in my um, Miami, and I was raised in South Florida, a small town called Homestead. That's where I grew up. Me too. Homestead became famous in 1992 because that's where Hurricane Andrew passed through and destroyed everything in the city. Yeah, and that's where I grew up. It was a farm town before then, and then after the hurricane, it became more like a regular city and less like a farm town. Okay, I'm in Conway, Arkansas now. My name is Keys Dan from the Florida Keys. I I was born in Miami. I grew up in Homestead, Florida Keys, Fort Lauderdale. I ate a lot of that same dirt. Nin- you know where I'm from. You know, Na- yeah, 19, 1992, Hurricane Andrew, I was on the fire department in Key Largo. So I walked up the 20-mile stretch in front of a truck, and I was in the fire department. I was working right there in Florida City uh, for oh, quite a few weeks. And then I went to uh, to fire school. I, I had to go do some some more training in '92. So yeah, I I ate a lot of the you, same dirt, man. Small world, huh? <laughs> oh, for sure, man, for sure. I'm 51 years old. I don't know. Uh, did you graduate high school from there? I graduated from Southgate High School. I graduated Western High School in Fort Lauderdale in in 1986. No. So and then I went to uh, and moved to the Keys uh, almost directly after that. 1988, I was in in the Florida Keys. And uh, I was firefighting and doing radio and DJing and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, what were you doing back then when you were when you were in uh, in Miami? Um, I used to work, and so you're familiar with Kendall. Then I worked at uh, 
the car dealership, the big car dealership there, Kendall Toyota. And and this was very unlike any other car dealership because their one of the, their general manager had like a Johnny Carson type TV show. I don't know if you ever saw that. It was it was it was formatted like a TV show, but it was actually an infomercial. It was very entertaining. It was a trip and a half. You know, it's not like you're I mean, I know car dealerships like to do these really weird kooky commercials, but he had it he had a knack, you know, he and you know, he, he did some funny stuff. Can't remember his name for the life of me now, but Mark Jacobson, that was his name. Mark Jacobson. See, I couldn't remember when I when I was working at Exito one hundred five point five. I think more recently, but in the in the early the early to mid two thousands, I was working at Exito one hundred five point five, and we used to do a lot of remotes at remotes at Kendall Toyota. And yeah, that <laughs> guy was big time, man. Uh, you know, he would do. Uh, my co host spoke Spanish better than I did. I, 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 you know, I'm I'm bilingual enough to do a bilingual radio station, which is what we did. Uh, two English, two Spanish, salsa, merengue, freestyle, disco, 80s music, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I had a, 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 a Patricia Sequeira who spoke way better Spanish and too fast Spanish for me. And she used to do the show probably with Mark, man, because I, I don't I don't remember his name, but I'm kind of remembering his face. Yeah. Beard. Remember, he had the white hair and the white beard. I think I'm he looked I, like I, a dressed up wizard is what he looked like to me. Yeah. When we did the remotes, she would do the remotes with him and I would be there and I would put my little two cents in. But for the most part, it was them doing the remotes. But I, would, I did the morning show on Exito 105.5 there. And yeah, man, I, oh, you're making me homesick. And my mom and my I'm grandma are still in Key Largo. So <laughs> the time or two when I actually talked to him, like, you know, it didn't really fraternize with this, you know, mechanic. Uh, he, I mean, one time he caught me somewhere and he goes, did you see the show last time? I'm like, yeah, of course I did. Sure. <laughs> and I hadn't. But what are you going to say? Boss, right? <laughs> it was him and there was a couple other guys that he had. And you know, remember that guy on the radio on She? His name was Cox. Cox, Cox on, on the radio. radio. Yes. Cox on the Yes. Man. Dude, okay. he was one of my but heroes. He, uh, go ahead. He was buddies with Mark. He was buddies with those guys at Kendall Taylor. Well, Cox on the radio, we used to do a lot of remotes together as well when, when I was a, a wee baby DJ. And we go, we went to, uh, what was it, Atlantis? I think it was Six Flags Atlantis. And one of Cox on the radio, he would throw out lollipops uh, to the crowd and he would say, here's some Cox suckers. <laughs> the guy was too much. You know, we used to have a name for those guys. When he, when he would come over and he would all be go to the, go up to the big office upstairs, we call them the cocaine cowboys. Because that's yeah. what Miami was built on, baby. <laughs> Scarface is real. It's a documentary. Okay, before Scarface, before 1980, Miami was a sleepy town. That's where old people came to retire and die eventually. You know, but then cocaine came in at about 1980, maybe a little little earlier than that. But uh, yeah, my goodness, uh, all these banks started popping up, going back to the banks, you know, talking about conspiracies. <laughs> yeah, all these banks popped up because not the the, yeah. uh, the drug dealers needed a place to hide their all the cash, man. And that's what Miami yeah. was built on. That's why it's the I big mean, city it is know, today. You know, all I know is that, you know, Snowbird took on a, a different meaning in the late 80s there in Miami. <laughs> and, and here I was, you know, I was I was a good boy. I was a fire fireman in the yeah. in the keys from 89 to 99 and and then i worked in kendall at the baptist hospital from 97 to 2004 so i you know i i know kendall very well i lived there uh for quite a bit so but uh 
yeah, I, you know, I was a good boy and I stayed on this side, but I used to ride along with a lot of the cops and I used to ride along with the, um, uh, the DEA had a, a boat called the blue lightning or some, some kind of lightning down there. It was just a, a go fast boat to catch all these, uh, these, uh, uh, drug dealers, you know, right. when they were, they were fishing yeah. out their square groupers out of the ocean and, and, and <laughs> look up what a square grouper is people. Square groupers, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Miami Vice. Remember Miami Vice? That was that was the thing. It was real, baby. It was real. Okay. It It wasn't. It wasn't that real. Okay. But it was somewhat real. There were uh, cops that were driving around in cars that were confiscated from drug dealers, and then they had the the little sticker on the back that drug dollars at work, and they're driving these Corvettes and Ferraris (laughs) and you know flash cars, and yeah, these were the the cars that they confiscated from drug dealers. So yeah, it, it's all true, man. <laughs> okay. So you say you're from Miami, but are you, are you living in Miami still? No, no, I'm in Baltimore, Baltimore. All right. I gotta, I gotta find out where, where that meander came from. Cause I know my shot, mine was a straight shot from, from Key Largo. Uh, you know, I married a girl down in Key Largo. I, I met her down there. We fell in love and, you know, we got married down there and then, her parents retired back to where they're from here in, in Arkansas and she got homesick and she said, can we go over there? Well, I was on the radio, my job, you know, I, I could do it anywhere. I can do this job from anywhere. Really. If there's internet, I, I can do this. And uh, <laughs> so I said, yes, honey, I will go. How did you get from Miami? The, the Mecca, a place to, that you could find, you know, find, always find something to do. And, and yes, it's exciting. It's adventurous. It's expensive, you know, for the, but how did you get from there to Maryland? Was it a straight shot? Well, it, through Miami fashion, I was, I was getting killed, literally. <laughs> Were you in the wrong neighborhood? Did you travel to Liberty City sometimes? No, I was in the, and, uh, you know what? I was a little, and the other, the other, my, uh, counterpart, if you will, had a lot more money than me. And I was a lot younger than him. And so I had a feeling he was going to try to kill me. So as soon as I could get out of Miami, I did. I ended up here. <laughs> well, okay. That's a good reason to leave, man. Uh, fear for your life. Uh, Book for another day. <laughs> no, that that's a story right there. You have a story to tell. Uh, you know, and, and I know when I was down in Miami, uh, you know, and, and, and if I had uh, some money in my pocket, the girls would come a running. But if I didn't have money in my pocket, <laughs> They would leave. You know, they're they're looking for the BBD, the bigger, better deal. This is what I always thought of when I was a kid, and I think it it might still. uh, You know, unless you find that one that will live as simply as you will, you know, it takes it takes a little bit of time to find that one. And thankfully, I found that one. You know, but uh, did you go? (laughs) You went straight to Maryland. Did you know anybody there? No, no. Well, um, hide out because. These, these people knew they had resources. They knew where I lived. I had at the time I had like three houses. Yeah, so that's another long story. But um, I went to hide out, and when I fell on hard times, I became a teacher. And so I met somebody in the so it was a colleague in the school, and uh, she obviously liked me a lot. So I asked her if I could come over to her apartment and just kind of stay there for a few days. <laughs> I know it's kind of an odd request from a colleague, but she because because she was so starry eyed. I took advantage of that and over there, there for a few days and a few days came a few weeks and then she was pregnant. 
How did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. It was a complete shock to me. But uh, as you can imagine, I was already in a dire situation, Dan. So I had to figure out a way to get out of the situation I was in. Otherwise, I, I, I really felt like I was, I was, if this woman had found out that I knocked somebody up, she was already like on the verge of just strangling me anyway. Um, I knew for sure that I was in danger. So I said, you got to get me out of here. And it just so happened that she knew some people here in Baltimore and I got a job up here in the city. That's cool. Are you still teaching? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So a guy with, with okay, <laughs> a guy with the ideas that you have, the, the, the imagination, the, the, uh, the, the learning, uh, what, what's the grades that are you teaching? Um, I teach middle school, middle school. That's a good age. Uh, they, most of those don't have knives yet. Okay. But <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised, Dan. <laughs> they got everything. No. Um, uh, when you said that you were, that you went and you found this girl and it was pretty quick, you know, a, a quick relationship. It kind of made me think of, of the people that are in quarantine that, just started brand new relationships and then they end up getting quarantined with this brand new relationship and they just getting jammed together uh, and put it, you know, what do you think of that? I'm, I'm hearing that there's, there's a lot of strain there. I mean, because you, you went through pretty quick, eh, but uh, Hey, sometimes it works out. It, it, did that relationship work out? Uh, no, I, but it did not work out. I mean, we're still, did, 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 it, did you have a baby? It wasn't going to work out. Did you end up having a baby? Yeah, we had a daughter. We hey, Mazel Tov. You got a baby girl. That's good. Yeah, we have a baby girl. My daughter just turned 13. So. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I had to dodge a bullet, literally and figuratively. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I have but, one of the, I, I have one of those. I met a, a, a girl in the, in the Keys, and now I have a 23-year-old a or 24 or something like that, and she just made me a grandpa. So, yeah. Really? <laughs> you know, but then I have a 14 year old in the house and that's wonderful. You know, now I was thinking about this today. My, my 14 year old used to think you, I used to be her hero. She used to love me with starry eyes, but then somewhere between then and now I, I I'm losing track. I, I, I need to get more hugs. I mean, are you, are, are, are do you still have a good relationship with your 13 year old? Oh, my daughter. Yeah, we're, we're great. We're, we're, we're tight. You know? <laughs> I, we I, are. I would love to say, um, I'm tight with her. You know, I, I love her and I think she's gorgeous. And I think she, she's wonderful. She's the apple of my eye, but, but I, 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 I can't get through to her. It's, it's beyond, it's more than that for me. It's, I don't even think it's that it's, it's more like I understand her, you know, and I'm more people that do. And I think she gets that. I mean, I, and, you know, I'm still that dorky to her, but she knows I get where she's coming from. She's a little bit beyond her, beyond her years. In that respect, I think she's like me. Because you had asked me about my child. Yeah. And you asked me about where it is. And we talked about seeing the God, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I think if your mind, even if you're young, if your mind is meant to go that way, if, it's, if it can go that way, it will. Like yours did and mine did. And I think my daughter's is too. She's cut from that mold and that cloth, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Well, I mean, you know, okay, it's good that you're you're connecting with her. I'm trying to connect with her with video games. I know she's really into that, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm guessing. So you have conspiracy theories in your in, in common? Oh, we talk about that with her. I, I do. I think she, you know, she develops her own ideas 
and you know a lot of the stuff that we talk about she thinks it's crazy but i think she's more open to conspiracies and these ideas and she listens to my show and she always talks about you know the characters and the stories and, and she we, we break it down really she wanted to do some of these angles some of these plots if you will you really think some of that is possible like, yeah. oh my goodness um like, <laughs> uh, it's just uh you're sending chills up my spine man with this with you know give uh, some more ideas I, I mean just the 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 thoughts about well i mean what was the first real conspiracy uh, real conspiracy theory that that you thought man this there's could be some truth here um i like the reptilian theory the brain I, the reptilian royal family theory ah yes that the royal family are really reptiles in disguise <laughs> tell me what you know about it because i've heard only little bit bits about it well yeah I go on YouTube and find David Icke and listen to some of the stuff he comes up with. This is, I mean, he's really thorough about how he breaks it down. That to me is very, very interesting. It's, it's, it's a big part of my show. Actually, season two, I devote a lot of time breaking down that and, and incorporating that theory into the story. You know, where the, the king is talking about he wants to destroy. He see the king is is trying to destroy the evil men. Who are doing all these horrible things to humanity but when he does so he figures out that there's actually people behind them there's actually someone above them and when he does he realizes that they're not even human Man. they're reptilian see now that i know yes. where your podcast is i listen to podcasts all day long i get to drive around uh town uh sometimes 10 hours a day so 10 hours a day i'll have my little earpiece in and and listen now i'm going to put yours in my feed for sure <laughs> the rise of king Asilas. Asilas? Asilas. I got a pr- I got oh, a the first episode because I, you know, uh, that's how I test like uh, voice actors when they audition for the show. I would say, okay, well, listen to at least one episode so you can pronounce the king's name correctly. So when they send a demo reel or, you know, an audition and it's, they completely botched the name, I know they didn't listen. <laughs> that's for sure. Just like you told your boss. That Just like you told your boss at Kendall Toyota. Yeah, sure. I watched the show. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I definitely wasn't going to put any false pretense that I listened to to your podcast. I I just knew from your Instagram you have so so many ideas. It's meme central for sure, but the memes are yeah. are solid memes, man. They're they're memes that I mean, just a uh, a lot of them are from um, uh, the guy from the fifth of November. Uh, what uh, Guy Fox? Yeah. What do you know f- uh, yeah. about Guy Fox? I actually, I think that they 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 pass them around. There's a uh, one that I follow called Dilute the Power. I, I I grab a lot of stuff from them. So I think a lot of this stuff gets recycled from you know big Instagram people. To I'm I'm you know not, I I believe heavily in the less is more. So I'm not like on there every single day, every hour of the day. You know, pointing my camera at all different things. So that whenever I do post something. You know, people rather than saturate it, and people be like, get bored. Absolutely. I mean, some people live for the internet, <laughs> live live for likes. You know, uh, you know, people like me, I just throw stuff out there, and, and and if it sticks, it sticks. You know, whatever whatever I'm thinking about, whatever I find interesting, I'll put it out there. And, you know, like this. You know, talking to you, JV Torres. Uh, you know, I know that that there's a story behind. Uh, there was going to be a story behind you, and there already is a story behind you. Now, don't think I didn't th- forget about your parents. You said they were straight laced, but how so? What do you mean? Did they have like regular Joe jobs or well, h- how straight laced? Well, they were, you know, strict churchgoers. And, you know, my mother was a very 
um, she was a good mom. My dad, on the other hand, had, had a wild side to him, but he didn't drink, he didn't smoke, didn't have any, his only vice was women, okay? So he would go off the track, but he didn't, he was never the kind of guy to go against his boss or he would be pickety. So my mom did. My mom actually, so, so the story marched with Martin Luther King because, you know, you know, he was a reverend and, she, and you know, we were all, in, we were minorities too. So it affected, whatever affected, whatever affected the African-American community affected Hispanic as well. So that's, that was my mom's state. And that was about as far as she went with it. She was not a very good person. Not like me. <laughs> No, I've heard these stories from my I've heard these stories from my mom. She grew up in in Miami. She was born in New York, but she graduated at Central High School in Miami, and she's told me stories about the Central High Rockets and and there was race problems there even in Miami. And by the time I was born and by the time I was growing up, people were people. It seemed like everybody was living well together in in, in Miami. The culture is pretty a melting pot, you know, people, you know, loving each other, but she said there were lots of struggles at Central High there in Miami, uh, but uh, I mean, uh, you know, and but she, in, in the '60s when she was growing up, when she was coming along, but uh, you know, I, I I wonder about that. And she's she's Spanish. I'm she's Cuban, and I, I you know I'm half Cuban, half Irish. So I mean, I I, I like the, the the people in my my family are all colors of the spectrum. Uh, you know, I have a a cousin named Armandito. He's black as midnight, man, and I just thought hey, he's Cuban. You know, like uh, the the show Que Pasa USA that I used to watch on PBS. Uh, he's not black. He, he's Cuban. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's totally different. It's with like with with Spanish Latinos. I mean, it's it's very different the way our culture is. I'm not saying that it doesn't racism doesn't exist. Of course, it was just different different than it is you know in other cultures. It, it is different, man. I think that it's getting real touchy feely, man. I. I used to, I remember used to, I used to be, hey, oye, oh yeah, negro, como esta, como va la cosa, you know? Uh, but now, it, it, what'd you say? You said negro? Did you say negro? Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, people talk to you about things now. We would say things like that in an affectionate way. It was never meant to be degrading. But, like, the climate here has become so toxic. It's become so, you know, touchy that, you know, I can understand why people don't want to use that language. It, it, at least in my experience. I mean, I, I imagine there were people who did misuse it, but I didn't really see it. I, I guess I'm I part was of that neighborhood. So, oh, yeah, I guess I'm part of the old guard where, you know, I, I must be dying. I must be a dying breed. You know, my grandfather was one way. And, you know, I remember he I mean, there was one thing that he told me, God rest his soul. And I'll, I'll repeat it now because it's something that that stuck with me all these years. He said, you can marry a black, you can marry a, a Cuban, you can marry a Jewish, but never marry a Puerto Rican. And I went, Poppy, <laughs> Poppy, <laughs> you know, he's Cuban. And, and I guess the, the struggles between Cubans and Puerto Ricans, and I don't know what kind of Latino you are, but, you know, the struggle, you know, the Cubans used to swim over to Puerto Rico and steal their jobs. I guess that was the, <laughs> the struggle. I'm Mexican American. I, my second wife was Puerto Rican. Uh, I've been married three times. My my second wife was Puerto. My first wife grew up. I think part of her family is Puerto Rican. Um, I've always had a good relate. My my I have a lot of family that's Puerto Rican mixed. And um, I've been to the island. It's probably one of my favorite places in the world. Uh, but you know, we would always. I would, my I would always joke about that with my my ex wife. We would always joke about stuff like that. And my current wife, 
and she's Salvadorian. And Salvadorians, if you're not aware, Salvadorians and Mexicans do not like each other. So it was really strange. But, you know, she kind of laughed at me. She goes, you're not really Mexican. You're, you're kind of a gringo. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a gringo to them. I'm not a Mexican, so... I guess yeah, Funny, like, I'm, yeah. I'm third generation, so the blood is thinning. You know, I'm I'm definitely born in Miami. Mom was born in New York. You know, grand grandparents came over in 1948. So they, you know, the the blood is thinned. And yes, I can pass for a white guy. I might have a few features. <laughs> my my tan, I tan a little bit more than a uh, than any other Caucasian would be. But you know, it 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 feels like to me that that people people should just be people. You know, because if I really stripped it down, I could say, well, I'm the only uh, Cuban Irish guy that's doing this podcast right now. So you can put me in that box, you know, but you know, you, sure. everybody can can uh, can sift themselves down to a certain thing. But you're you're more than just that one thing. You're more than black. You're more than white. You're more than Asian. You know, you're more than that. You're more than Mexican-American. You're more than that. You're a lot of things, it, it you know, and, and, and it's good to, to delve into those. And you, you say you joked about things about your culture. It's good. Joke about it. Have fun. Please do. I don't apologize for that. Why should I? It's, I, I think as I get older, I'm becoming that, that grumpy old man that, you know, get off my porch, get off my yard. I don't have to explain it. I don't want to explain it. Just, just get off my yard. You know, I, I think as I get older, you know, I'm in, I'm 48 now. You know, I'm feeling like, you know, I'm already getting to that point where it's like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to play that game with people. You know, I'm just not. I'm not going to explain it. I don't need to analyze it. You know, I guess I just grew up in a different era. Chalk it up as that. Absolutely, man. I mean, I, 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 um, I used to be very timid about telling my age until I turned 50. For some reason, <laughs> 50 was the turning point. And then I, I, I likened myself to that Molly Shannon character. I even made a little video of it. I'm 50. I can kick and punch and kick and stretch, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I just celebrated it. And now I'm 51 and it's just, it keeps on rolling. It's getting better and better. And, and, and you know, and, and it's same. 49. I'll be 49 next week. Hey, man. So I'm about a year away from the. Excellent, man. Excellent. That's yeah. fantastic. And, and I, I feel like. What's that? I said, I'm catching up to you, man. Yeah, you'll never catch up to me, baby. <laughs> no, it seems like third time's the charm. You found the right one. Doesn't matter where people are from. You know, it, people can get along. It, you know, you you've proved it yourself. The the broad generalization is Salvadorians don't get along with Mexicans. But right here in your own home, you're getting along just fine, aren't you? My wife is the best, my best friend in the whole world. Like I, I was, you know, we've had lots of conversations and, you know, I, I have told her very intimate details about my past where like, you know, I'm just grateful that I'm with somebody that is understanding and is not a hothead. Like I can't stand being with people that are hotheads. And you see that too often. It's, you know, it's on social media. Like that's why I try to, I, I take social media doses, man, because there's only so much anger. I can take in a day. Like, there's so many angry people. I like, just can't deal with it. So, you know, like, that's one of the things that I appreciate about my wife that she's kind, she's understanding, and she's not quick with the trigger finger. You know, she's a really chill person, man. She's awesome. She's very friendly. She's a very friendly person. 
That's good, man. Like, and I'm I'm glad you have that. I'm glad it's good to have that in your life, man. Some love, some a good backer, you know, somebody that backs you up. And I like scrambling. I don't want to fight my food, you know. I mean, I, I don't like carrying things up and you know, masking the stuff. No, no, I want to be nice and soft, and you know, when that when that when the scrambled eggs hit you, I mean, like it just like melts. <laughs> All right, my man. Well, I mean, shoot. Uh, now we're going, we're, we're talking, we're doing, uh, you know, talking, getting to know each other. And this is fantastic. I, I, I never know where There's these, no what's that? Either. <laughs> yeah. I never know where these things are going to turn, but I, I love it, man. I, I love that. I'm, I'm connecting with you and I'm finding things that, that, um, you know, you're making me think of things that, that are in my life and, and that parallel your life. And that just means that people are people, man. People are all looking for the same thing. They're looking you know, for a roof over their head, food on their plate, a little money in the pocket. You know, it doesn't matter left, right, right. You know, the, the conspiracy theory, not conspiracy theory, everything. Oh, the government is perfect. They do everything that well, we want. Dan, the grand scheme of things, if, if any of these conspiracies are remotely true, then the things that happen, you know, are there are more men than you and I that can have, uh, that have an impact on what's happening. Choose to direct, you know, the, the masses one direction, one way. You know, the only thing that you and I can really control is what happens in our home, what happens in our lives. You know, if, if it comes to your front door, fine, you'll deal with it then. But meanwhile, you know, you just keep the home front, keep it as peaceful as you can, because that really that's that's your world. I mean, yeah, you know, we can look out there. I think people get too involved with what's going on out there that they forget that what's going on right here, right here in your house. In, in your living room, your bedroom, your kitchen, you know, what's happening in that? Yeah, what happens out there affects what happens in there. Yeah, but, you know, you're limited to what you can really, if you can't fix out there, if you can't fix what's in Well, J.B. You know Torres, I mean? yeah, J.B. Torres, I, I knew, there was a saying that I, I heard, and I've had it in my head, if you, if everybody swept their own front porch, the whole world would be clean, you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, take care of your house, take care of what's going on, in your world and, 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 you know, kind of look out the window and yeah, I can see that. I see what's going on out there, but everything's good in here. Whenever I come home, the family always welcomes me to the bubble. I'm very happy about that. I have a bubble, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, that's one of the things I, I love about producing this podcast that I do this, this audio drama is that it is not real world. It is, I created, and in this world, I get to play some of the scenarios that, I think that are out here, you know, in, in this, this fiction world for, you know, and I get a lot of strange messages from people. There's a lot of people out there that, that think read a little too much into what I do. And then they say like all these breakdowns, like they're really analytical about it. Um, but if you're not careful, if we're not careful, if we're not careful as, as human beings, it's very possible something like this. And you really don't want a king of silence in your life because whatever good you, whatever, whatever, Air for like King Silas is a fictional character, but if you put a real person in that situation and where they have absolute power, it's gonna, it's going to be very ugly and it's going to be very bad. Don't count on him to do what King Silas does. You know, it's not going to be like that. He he or she would not be able to handle that kind of power. It's it's you just look throughout history and the people that have had that kind of power and how it drives them mad. It drives them and you know their insanity. You know is unleashed on the masses, on the people below, and a lot of people suffer. And we already have enough suffering in this world as it is. We don't want to have a one-party system. It, it would be disastrous. 
I don't care how you know how many people who disagree with the left or disagree with the right. If you go one direction only, you're going to go on a big circle. Yeah, I, you're not going to move. You're not going to really progress. You won't. And I, I think the presidency is too big for one person anyway. It should be a a committee of seven or so. You know, we, we, the presidency, the executive branch, should run kind of like the the judicial branch to where you got a bunch of smart people, you know, th- that are good at different things that you, you can vote on at, at different times uh, of the year or different, you know, maybe once every couple of years. Problem, Go ahead. The problem with that, the problem with that is that if you have a lot of people on one thing, all it takes is for you to buy this person and then you're going to buy that person and then this person gets, you know, and then that person and you end up with chaos. I guess there's problems with everything. Here. I'm just saying that this, you know, there, there, there are a lot of flaws that we have as human beings, which is probably why these conspiracy theories are so are so um, interesting, and then why it, so it, it can we can sit here and say, you know, yeah, reptilians, you know, UFOs <laughs> and aliens, yeah, sure, what? because I think deep down inside we all want something greater than ourselves to resolve our issues for us or that we can blame them for our issues because we're, we're incapable, I think, or we're unwilling rather we're capable. We're unwilling to actually, you know, stand up and, and do what we need to do. Fellow man, because everybody has own individual wants, individual needs, not realizing that somehow that infringes on somebody else's wants and their rights, rights in their life. And if you, you know, if you want to have the things, in, in life, there has to be somebody that produces that. And that's where the corruption happens, because we, ideally, we would want everyone to have a level playing field. But in reality, that's just not how it works. The world is not the human nature doesn't allow it. It never has throughout history. And we're at this point where we want to force it to happen. And it's pushing us into that one party system to have that, you know, power going one direction. And that that. Shouldn't scare the living crap out of you. Well, a lot but of people. I don't think it does. Yeah, no, a lot of people get that from religion to where they can blame something or strive for something or it's not my fault. It's it's that guy. It's that guy out there. What it, you know, a lot of religion does. And I was born Catholic, and I remember asking my priest question after question after question, and most of the answers I remember were it's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. You don't know. And, and I, I think that it it can be a crutch, you know, and I'm not going to not, well, I am going to knock religion. You know, you, when you preface something with, I'm not going to do Yes, I actually am. I'm going to knock, uh, you know, religion a little bit because it seems like it's a crutch sometimes when you have problems. Oh, it wasn't me. It was the devil. Uh, anyway, when everything's, everything's going good. Oh, I, I made it through that sickness. Uh, hey, thank God, you know, but it has you have to have some self you have some sense of self some some responsibility of ownership i mean i i don't know what are your thoughts on that jb torres well i'm i'm still uh practicing catholic um i i always answer i have a lot of friends who who stand on different grounds on this issue and some of some of my closest friends are atheists. Um, it's it's really what you're what you described is is essentially human nature. You know whether they're whether they want to blame you know the God of the Catholic Church or if they want to blame Allah or if they want to blame you know the lizard God and, and Aztec country. You know they, whatever it is what you, what you said it, it's it's really pushing the blame for their own flaws or their own faults something so they don't have to take responsibility now. 
too easy to 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 point to a religion or a church or something and say, well, you know, they don't really know what's going on. Well, nobody really knows what's going on. I mean, if you put all your marbles in with NASA, now, <laughs> they're thinking about stars. I mean, that's to me a crazy idea. When we have so many problems here, it sounds to me like they want to run away from. It. I mean, there's. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just saying that these, these issues that we have to deal with as human beings, and I think the, 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 the more we're willing to face those issues, those problems of the will of us, the more we're willing to face those and, and try to do the right thing, if you will, for lack of a better way of putting it, then you know, if we're willing to do that, then we will improve as a society. But if we're unwilling to do that, we won't. And it doesn't matter if, we're, if we turn into a religious society or not. It's, it's just a matter of being responsible and being what is right, what the society deems as right. See, that's another slippery slope because what the society deems as right may not be what everyone buys into as right. There was a time when people thought it was right to own slaves, and we know now that that's not true. You know, there was a time when people thought a lot of things, and now we're, because we don't agree with what they thought and what they believed, but the people at that time did believe it. You know, people believed it, and, you know, I don't know if you ever saw Apocalypto or not by Mel Gibson. That was a great movie. No, you know, I, they believe that you know they the sun and the and the weather would rain on their crops if you know, they yanked you know heart live hearts out of living people. And I guess I need to check this movie out. <laughs> like, really, you think that the sun and, the, and it's going to rain because you rip somebody's heart out while they're still alive? I mean, that's that's insane, you know. But they believe that. They believe that. So, what do people believe now, Dan? Oh yeah, they believe. What do they believe now? That you wear a mask and you know that's going to keep the virus away from you. Is that, you know, are they going to think that's ridiculous 50 years from now? Or are they going to think, hey, that was the right thing? I'm asking. Absolutely. I mean, you know, history. Well, yeah, I guess we can go to the now where we're at right now. And when you were when you were talking, you were sending so many thoughts, every syllable that you say, man, it sends different thoughts into my head. Uh, one of the <laughs> I, I can't. One of them was in there, but then it popped right back out. But you were talking about something and I know it's going to come real soon. But no, but uh, but oh, okay. Talking about religion and atheists and stuff. But in the beginning of this, you said question everything. And for me, hey, I cannot absolutely say that there is a god or no god. Absolutely not. I'd be some kind of a moron if I denounced that there was some kind of a higher power because I don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows for sure because he hasn't well, really telling you. The priest said it's a mystery, right? It's a mystery. It's out there, man. You know, it, is it space aliens? Is it a spaghetti monster? I don't know. I don't know. But it's, I cannot discount. Some things, some things were just not capable. See, I've always said that I believe this, and I, and I kind of hint at it in the show, is that there are just some things that as human beings we're incapable of understanding. We're just incapable of it. And I like to use, the, I like to use this uh, analogy. A bird. You see a bird land on a wire wire, right? And he's perching, he's perched up there, and he's checking everything. He's looking for, I don't know, he's looking for a bug or something to eat, right? Now, the, he's he's resting his feet as he's perched on this wire. He has no idea what he's perched on, does he? Has no idea what's going through underneath him. Why? Why doesn't he know this, Dan? Why? He doesn't know this because he's a bird. He can't know this. If you try to explain math, <laughs> just try to explain, you know, how electricity works to a bird. I mean, the bird's going to look at you like you're funny because you try to explain math to a dog or a gorilla. They're not going to understand this because their brain is meant to understand. They can't understand it. You know, now, now, those are very simple examples. But if you and I, you know, if, if a space alien say, comes down and tries to say, Dan, I'm going to explain to you 
you know, how you can t travel star system to star system, you know, this equation here and you use it and you got to use these type of chemicals and you use these, you're going to be like, where do I obtain it? What are you talking about? What do you mean going from? Yeah, you know, you use what you do is you multiply blah, blah, blah. And then you start explaining to you, you're going to be like, dude, I'm a talk show host on radio. Yeah. I don't know anything about space travel, right? No, you're absolutely correct. If aliens do come to us, we're, we could be like ants to them. You know, they might. It's like you trying to explain calculus to a dog. Oh, yeah. They might come. They might study us. Oh, yeah. Look at those little ants over there doing that thing. You know, but but they can squash us at any time. You know, it's, it's possible. Uh, anything I mean, possible. that's the extreme angle. But the point I was trying to make is that they're just something I'm capable of understanding. All right, my man. That's all. Is that you just have to. I appreciate that, J.B. Torres. All right. I've taken some of your time. I appreciate it so much, man. I hope this is not the. The last time we talk now that you've turned me on to your podcast, I definitely am going to put it in my feed. Um, um, I, I did. I listened to like a little snippet that you had on your on your Instagram earlier. It was like a little uh, uh, Rise of King Silas episode 13, the net ray. Oh, yeah, that's right. About the net ray that uh, is there. Do you really think there's a net ray that that will take all the nuclear stuff away or kill nuclear bomb well see the net ray and the story when once you get to the story there's this character that shows up you know like when you know you're familiar with king arthur and, and, and merlin the magic the magician right so that that motif to my story as well king has his own merlin who's a time traveler his name is gabriel he tries to fool him first and say he's like the angel Gabriel, but he doesn't believe him so he's from he's from another time. But he's more advanced. So he gives a Silas um, he gives a Silas his knowledge and improves his technology to get the upper hand on his enemies because he figures America now is the sole standalone country and everybody's going to try to attack them with nuclear missiles. He foresaw that happening. So he said, "Well, the first thing I do is I need to neutralize nuclear missiles because that's the first thing people are going to want to do to destroy us." And so the net ray was was really the what was created for. The, anticipate that scenario before he started making his moves who before he took over you know central america he took over canada you know imagine that imagine america marching into canada <laughs> and say yeah we're we're taking over now oh it could happen <laughs> europe would be like no you're not doing that and of course he'd be like okay well then you know shoot me with what you got send it over let's go see what you got tough guy and so Silas wanted to do that and so the net ray is what really gave that's when he shocked the world because the world everybody tried to shoot the nuke set america and they shot him out of the sky and they're like what the hell just happened and now they knew they knew they were in for a ride because that means that if he has a net ray then you can't use nukes on him but he can use nukes on you <laughs> all right jv torres i wanted to give people a little taste that's episode 13 of of the rise of king asylus but uh, I want people to go to your in, to your feed and start at number one. Let the people know how to get a hold of you. How do you want them to connect with you socially? Well, the, you know, Twitter or Instagram, I'm at King Silas. Uh, is at JV Micah. Hopefully, Dan, you could add these on your on the links to the when you when you post this. I will. The web, the Rise of King we're on iTunes. We're on all the podcasts. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it. We're everywhere. People listen to the show all over the world. We have fans all over the world. It's a very, very exciting. So, so, so such a cool feeling, man. Such a, but you probably experienced that yourself in your show. You, you get listeners and you 
no idea. You get listeners from countries you never heard of before. <laughs> I love it. I love it when I get email and I just recently got a, I got hand, I get handwritten letters, man. And that was, this is the coolest thing. And they start sending you stuff and I'm like, Oh, this is yeah. great. You know, I don't, I don't expect anybody yeah. to send me anything, but Hey, it happens. You know, hey, send me your address. Well, I'll send you something. If you send me your address, if you text me your address later, I'll send you some some King of Silas and stuff. <laughs> I wasn't even fishing for that. I appreciate that, man. But put me on your programs. At least I can do. All right, JV Torres. Thank you so much for being on on the podcast. What makes you famous? And uh, I look forward to to hearing more about this story. And uh, catch me up as as things progress. If anything changes in your life, maybe. Another uh, year down the line, man, we, we'll talk again. But usually I finish well, maybe, these. What's that? Maybe we can talk again when the book is released. And by that time, hopefully you've heard much of the show. We can talk about the characters if you want or the storyline, the plot, or whatever. Absolutely. So, JV Torres, I usually finish these things off with last words for the people. And this could be some words that you can that you live by that somebody told you a long, long time ago. Or it could be just whatever pops into your head at this moment in time. J.V. Torres, last words for the people. The first step you take in making the world a better place begins in your bedroom. Well, there you have it, party people. J.V. Torres. Man, you, just, you never know where these things are going to go. You know, I, I see J.B. Torres. Torres, it's a Spanish surname, so I know I got that in common with him. You know, I'm, I'm half Latino myself. And then he says he's from South Florida, Homestead. I lived in Homestead. I was born in Miami. I know all about that area. We chewed the same dirt. But then uh, he had to skidaddle out, on out of there. <laughs> so it was good, man. I, I, you know, I knew I was going to talk a little bit about con- conspiracy theories, but I didn't know I was going to be reminiscing about South Florida. You know, and the Florida Keys, and man, it's good. It's good. It made me maybe a little homesick, but hey, not that Conway, Arkansas, is not my home now. It's my home. <laughs> I live here now. Yeah, home is where your heart is, and my heart is right here. But I do remember the days back in South Florida and the Florida Keys. Oh yeah. All right, man. Thank you, JV Torres, for being on the program. What makes you famous? And uh, I, I encourage you to step on over to. The Rise of King Asilas, A-S-I-L-A-S. I'm going to put all the all the links that I find uh, fr- from him in the show notes for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm going to put him in my podcast feed as well and listen to all that good audio. I, I suspect it's going to be a, a story, man, just uh, that parallels uh, what could be, what could happen. <laughs> All right, man. I hope that's not the last time that I talked to J.B. Torres for sure. Got that book coming out. Yeah, (laughs) he's got a book coming out. So I'm excited to talk to him in the future about that. All right. Everybody's got a story. I love it. And if you, yes, you, if you have a story you want to tell, and if you'd like to tell your story, uh, I encourage you to give me a call at 501-470-6386 or email info at radiowhat.com. That's it for me. Keys Dan, RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag What Makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Instagram at What Makes You Famous. 
follow on Twitter at Makes Famous and follow on YouTube at Keys Dan. Leave What Makes You Famous podcast a review and subscribe. Listen to What Makes You Famous podcast on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and almost anywhere you find podcasts. Tell your story on my podcast, What Makes You Famous. Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keys dan email info at radio what.com what makes you famous podcast is a production of keys dan enterprises incorporated at keys thank you for listening radio what the music you want with some words to live by cry with someone it's more healing than crying alone a public service message from radio what.com the music you want be on Radio What's. Call 501-470-6386. Say your name, where you're from, and you're listening to What? The music you want is on RadioWhat.com. Radio What's.